Hey everybody, it's Jennifer Little Fleck with episode five of Autobiology Bits, where we are going to answer the question, am I doomed if I inherit bad genes from my parents? Come on, you've all heard those stories of families where all the men die by the age of 45 from a heart attack, or even maybe now you're noticing in your own family that your parents, mm, maybe not doing so hot, and they're going the same pathway or direction that your grandparents went in or even your great grandparents. So now you're waking up every morning looking at yourself in that bathroom mirror saying, oh my God, is that going to be me in 20, 30, 40 years? Help! Is there nothing that I can do to be healthy and live longer? And I'm here to tell you today that for the most part, for most of us, the answer to that question is yes, there's tons of things we can do. I know, it's so exciting, so exciting. So yes, today we are going to introduce some mind-blowing information to you. And we're going to continue in episode six with more mind-blowing information because there's just so much good stuff and I want to make sure that you get it. So sit back, listen, and let's begin with episode five. Part one of Am I Doomed? Welcome Welcome to to Autobiology Bits, the podcast where you can hear real-life biology stories from a quirky maven to help you become an expert on your own biology. If high school biology had been as interesting as this podcast, you might have become a doctor. Introducing Chief Autobiologist, JLF. All right, we are going to start off with a little story about when I was in high school and I started learning about all this stuff from my awesome science teacher in high school. I went to Cumberland Valley High School in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania, and I had this amazing science teacher, Mr. Gene Wingert, and he introduced me to something called the Human Genome Project, and it changed my life life. When I heard that they were able, scientists were able to map out the entire human genome to figure out the entire blueprint for making a human being, I was like, oh my God, I have to be part of this. I love it. I love it. I love it. And of course, by the time I got to college and understood how to do even basic gene research, they had already mapped it all out. And I was kind of bummed. But you know what? Some seriously awesome stuff happened afterwards that was even more important than that. They realized that you could change the expression of your genes in real time. And that is the basis for why you are not doomed. All right, but first, I want to make sure that we all know some basic terminology here. So I'm going to go over a few things. It'll be quick, I promise. All right, so what is a gene? Well, the gene is the basic physical unit of inheritance. You probably all know this. These are the portions that get passed down from parents to kids, and they contain all the information needed to specify the traits. Now, genes are made up of base pairs of four basic molecules, adenine, cytosine, guanine, and thymine. And you'll see these abbreviated as ACGT. And when these base pairs come together in different combinations, they form like the rungs of a ladder, one after another after another, until they become 
really, really long and they twist up a little bit, which is why you often see DNA as a uh, pictured as a double helix. And that's why. Now, a gene can be as short as a few hundred base pairs long or many, many thousands. For example, the breast cancer genes that have been identified of, of increased risk for breast cancer, the BRCA1 and BRCA2 genes, for instance, they are very, very long and huge. But some beta globulin, you know, proteins, on the other hand, um, in your blood is only a few hundred of these. Now, a gene for, you know, a good way of thinking about it, it's like a packet of information. What does a gene do? It codes for proteins by and large. Of course, in DNA, you know, the, this gene doesn't do all the work. It's the protein that does most of the work. Now, um, oftentimes, because of, you know, mixtures and gene splicing, a gene can produce multiple proteins. And of course, these gene, there are genes that don't function that make proteins at all, um, but most of the time that they do. Now, genes are arranged one after another after another on structures called chromosomes. And a chromosome contains a single long DNA strand, like I, like I was telling you about earlier, that kind of, you know, starts to get twisty after a while. And that's exactly what it does. It gets twistier and twistier and twistier. In fact, chromosomes are so tightly wound um, around these other structures called histones. And this is really important for some of my explanation coming up. So you have these you have these all these genes that forms this big long strand that gets wound super super tightly which ends up being a chromosome and the and these chromosomes are wound around something called histones and it's all so that it can fit inside the nucleus of a cell now there's also a cro uh, chromosome in the mitochondria of each cell which is where all of your energy comes from and that is a whole other discussion but for right now we're going to talk about all the chromosomes um, that contain the genes that are in the cell nucleus, all right? And they're all the same. Every single cell in your body contains the same genetic information. I know, you're wondering, like, how can this be possible that all of our cells contain the same information? We'll get there. Just hang with me. Now, humans have approximately 20 to 20,000 to 25,000 genes arranged on these chromosomes. The genome is what you call the entire set of genetic instructions found in the cell. So that's what I was talking about earlier. You know, all these genes on the chromosomes inside the cell, that's your genome. And human genes commonly have around 27,000 base pairs long. So those AGCTs, 27,000 of those pairs. Some of them have up to 2 million base pairs. When you take the entire set of 23 chromosomes, it contains approximately 3.1 billion base, bases of DNA sequence. What does that mean? That is why your brother and sister can look so entirely different from you, yet you all came from the same parents. I know. This would have been really helpful, you know, when we wondered if uh, my sister was the milkman's kid. You know what I'm saying? When I was young. But no, seriously. Uh, you can. That's why you can look so different from each other and be in the same family. Now, there's something really awesome that the Human Genome Project 
discovered that they were totally not expecting. This is some pretty serious like aha moment here. They discovered something called copy number variation. Now that's when the number of copies of a particular gene varies from one person to the next. Um, so basically up until now we thought, okay, you get one from your mom and one from your dad. So you have two of every gene. Well, guess what? They found out that that's not the case. A lot of times, sometimes so, uh, you know, from brother to sister, you can have two copies of a gene and your brother might have three and another sibling might have four and yet another sibling might have five. They totally did not expect this. And not only did they see it, they realized it was relatively common. Now, it's turning out that... Um, this copy number variation explains a lot of things about certain diseases that they couldn't figure out. So here is an example. Last year, I was hired to write some launch training for a gene therapy product. And how this gene therapy product came about was um, there was a disease that is just dreadful. Um, it is a genetic disease and it involves a person having a defective gene that makes a particular protein that is absolutely necessary for muscle development. And when you have problems with muscle development, that means that you typically do not live very long because your heart is a muscle. Um, you need muscles to breathe, uh, to take the, you know, your diaphragm is a huge muscle um, and it's devastating. And most of the time, um, babies who are born and it's discovered that they have this condition, they just don't live very long. But there were some people who managed with this disease to live into their 20s, 30s, and you know now even 40s, and they couldn't figure out what the difference was between all these people. Why were some of these people less afflicted? Why were they living longer? Okay. Well, it turns out that there was a similar gene right next to the gene that was defective that made about maybe a quarter to a third of the protein necessary for muscle development. But it just wasn't enough, right? So even if they had two copies of that other gene, it still wasn't enough. They needed the full 100%. Well, what they were able to do is, through gene therapy, is reprogram the second gene to make more than a quarter to a third. They were able to come up with treatments that force that gene to produce more protein. But you're still like, but Jen, what does copy number variation have to do with all of this? Well, guess what? Some people were born with not just two copies of the um, other gene that makes the protein, but they were born with three copies four copies, even five copies. So the people that were born with five copies, I'm not going to say they were mildly afflicted because, you know, this is just a, a, de a devastating disease. Um, but they could produce pretty significant amounts of that protein compared to the person that only had two copies of the protein producing genes. So 
that was the explanation that they were looking for. That was a huge aha moment uh, for this disease state, understanding that there was copy number variation in these genes. So now back to the um, other question that I know you were thinking earlier which is when I told you that every single cell in your body contains the same exact DNA. So you're like thinking to yourself, well, Jen, how come, well, how does a heart cell then know to become a heart cell? How does a skin cell know how to become a skin cell? And that, my friends, is what epigenetics is all about. And that is what came after the Human Genome Project. Epigenetics is the study of heritable traits that do not involve alterations to the underlying DNA sequence, but it all has to do with whether or not the gene is expressed and how it's expressed. <laughs> I know this may seem like kind of like crazy science fiction, but no, it's really true. And if you understand the modifications uh, that control how certain genes are turned on or off in individuals in real time, then you can explain a lot of things like why twins as they get older and are exposed to different things in the environment or eat differently, end up different at the end of their lives. Um, it explains so many differences in twins. But, um, but like I said, the biggest question that they were trying to figure out was, you know, how does a heart cell differ from a nerve cell or a skin cell or a brain cell? So these modifications that happen in real time that helps the body decide what gets expressed and what doesn't, which determines how a cell ends up developing or how a cell ends up changing, um, happens in primarily two ways. The first way is called DNA methylation. And that is when a methyl group, which for all you people who totally slept through um, organic chemistry, <laughs> um, a methyl group is one carbon and three hydrogens, so CH3. It's when a methyl group binds to the DNA strand, um, and, it, and when that happens, it always silences the gene, all right? So anytime you have DNA methylation, silences the gene. Gene cannot make that protein that it's programmed for. The other way is called histone modification. Remember what we heard the term histone? That's right. The chromosomes get super tightly wound around histones so that they can fit inside the nucleus of a cell. So um, this uh, histone is a protein. And when this changes in this histone protein, well, these changes end up resulting in a loosening or a tightening of the DNA that's wound around it. And when that happens, different regions of the DNA are exposed or hidden, which means they can be now expressed when they couldn't before because they were too tightly wound, or now they're not expressed because now they're super wound. I want you to think of making a tie-dye shirt, right? So you wind up the t-shirt really, really tightly, and then you pour dye on the outside, and then you let it sit. 
right? And then when it dries, you unwind it and all the parts that were on the inside not exposed to the dye, it's still white. But all the parts that were on the outside now have dye on them. Same principle in general, <laughs> in theory. Um, so like I said, now now we understand like, holy crap, like there are things that can change how our DNA gets expressed in real time. And here's the big thing about this, this other discovery, if this discovery wasn't enough, these changes are able to be inherited to the next generation. You can pass these changes on to your child that happened to you after you were born. Crazy, 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 crazy. And you're like, but Jennifer, what causes these changes? And that, my friends, is what we're going to talk about in episode number six. All right, it's time for what did we learn today? So real quickly, we learned that the gene is the basic physical unit of inheritance that parents pass to offspring contain all the information needed to specify traits and that the genome is the entire blueprint for the entire human body of how to make a human. We have 20 to 25,000 genes in the human genome, humans do. And they are all arranged on 23 pairs of chromosomes that are tightly, tightly, tightly wound around histones. And they are all jammed inside the nucleus of a cell. And all cells contain the exact same genetic information. And how this is um, expressed from cell to cell, which makes a heart cell different from a nerve cell, different from a skin cell, that is called epigenetics, which is the study of heritable, keyword there, we can pass this down to our kids, heritable traits that change in real time, which means it doesn't involve altering the underlying DNA sequence, but how it's expressed. A huge, huge finding uh, for us is copy number variations. The fact that, no, we don't just have two copies of every gene necessarily, one from our mom and one from our dad. We can have two, three, four, five copies of a single gene. We learned that there are two ways that epigenetic changes can happen, DNA methylation and histone modification. And what causes either one of these? Well, that's the topic of episode number six. Do you have an autobiology question for Jennifer? Ask it at autobiology.net or Instagram at autobiology with Jennifer. And keep listening to see if your question has been featured. And remember, anyone can be an autobiologist. This podcast is for information purposes only. Any of the discussions or products held herein are not in any way offered as prescription, diagnosis, nor treatment for any disease, illness, infirmity, or physical condition. Any form of self-treatment or alternative health program necessarily must involve an individual's acceptance of some risk, and no one should assume otherwise. Persons needing medical care should obtain it from a physician. Consult your doctor before making any health decision. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. The podcast host may have have direct or indirect financial gains from products discussed on this podcast.